It's that time again for the assault on your ears. We call Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast featuring Aaron and Stavros. Tonight on our screens is episode five of season three, Reflections. And in our cups, we've got a little old fashioned. Tell us about it, Stavros. Yes, we do have old fashions today, uh, the cocktail, uh, because we see an old fashioned Rutherford in this episode. Um, in case you didn't know, an old-fashioned... This is actually my first time making it. Um, it is whiskey. Um, I used a Jack Daniels single-barrel rye. Uh, sugar, a dash of bitters. Um, I used orange bitters. And a little bit of water. And uh, my initial gut reactions... You know, you've been turning me on to flavored uh, flavored whiskeys this whole season and a bit of last season. I'm not sure I can go... I can do the flat, like, normal flavored whiskey. It just It's maybe too strong or... I don't know. I'm not getting much of the sweetness. And it may be your choice of whiskey, too. There is a whole mm. variety of flavors in the whiskey rainbow. You just got to find the one that's right for you. Uh, yeah. Me, personally, I went with a little uh, bullet rye. Some people do make old fashions with gin as well. I imagine that would probably be more up your alley. Mm, yeah, maybe I should try that. So, generally, it's not just pouring in the ingredients. There's a whole step-by-step process. You're supposed to start with the bitters. I use orange bitters as well. I'm glad you're following suit. I do love that, like, (laughs) slight hint of orange in it. Oranginess. Yeah. Sure. It's got that citrusy feel to it. Uh, And then you mix that with the sugar, but you're not actually mixing it. You're doing a thing that they call muddling. And it's basically, you take a thing called a muddler, which is a lot like, like a mortar and pestle situation, and you get that right. in your rock glass, and you just kind of grind it together. And if you get the right mix, it should be kind of like a thick, almost syrupy thing to it. And then some people add in water. I know that's like the norm. I don't usually do it. I think it thins it out too much. And then mm. from there, you pour in your drink, and you add your garnish. Gotcha. I didn't muddle, so maybe that's another problem I'm having. Well, and you know what? If you're not a big fan of the base whiskey, you're probably not going to like it anyways. For me, that's why I went with Bullet Rye. I do like that just by itself. It just adds like this slight hint to it of, of this, this... In my case, and I think both our cases, it adds a little bit of a sweetness and a bit of an orange hint. Um, I usually use an orange garnish as well. Uh, unlike my father, who used a cherry, which, you know, a lot of people do, but I don't. Because I'm my own <laughs> man, Dad! I like that's things right. the way I like them! You showed him. But, uh... your different fruit. You know what? It's not for everybody. And sometimes it's just finding the right mixture for yourself. And there's probably people who, uh... Would quickly tell me that I'm making it wrong. But you know what? <laughs> if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. Wait, that's not how that <laughs> saying goes. No, If I'm not at all. doing it wrong? I don't know. I'm not up on my old-timey sayings. Just my old-timey drinks. <laughs> Yeah, maybe my opinion will change the deeper I get into my glass. We'll see. Could be. But you know what we should do is talk about this episode. Oh, right. There's an episode we watched. Yes. It's called Reflections. And what this episode is about, some stuff. Uh, when Mariner and Boimler are forced to run a Starfleet recruitment booth, things become awkward after everyone finds it too easy to dunk on joining Starfleet. Meanwhile, Rutherford has a run-in with his alter ego, Punkford. That's what the internet's calling him. And the Rutherford implant conspiracy intensifies. Oh, boy. So where are we going to start on this one? This this episode is dense. And I don't mean dense it and, is. like, dumb, right? But I mean, right. like, and just there's a, a lot, lot going, on. going on and a lot of background So stuff. much. 
Let me first say, this is a Rutherford episode. It's my boy, and I'd love to see it. Um, and I really hate the Punkford, as the internet calls him, or as the closed captions call him on Paramount Plus, Red Rutherford, because I guess the eye is red, and that's how you know it's he's evil? Yeah, whatever. I'm not sure. No. I'm not using either of those names. Moving on! <laughs> Let's talk about how this episode opens, first of all. So, as you may recall, it opens with Rutherford having a nightmare, and of course we find out that it's his younger self uh, exploding the engine where he gets hurt. Um, I love that the when he screams and scares the guy walking down the hall, it's the same dude that is always in a towel. They, I don't even think they have a uniform for that guy. It's just a really buff dude wearing a towel. That's Until it. you mentioned that, I didn't even think about that, right? So this guy always shows up and he's always in a towel, never in a uniform. <laughs> Pretty funny. And it goes all the way back um, to the whole, uh, why a towel? They're sonic showers, people. Yeah, again, maybe this guy just really likes going swimming in cetacean offs with the dolphins. And, I mean, it's established fact that lots of people go swimming with the dolphins for, or the belugas for questionable purposes. So there is yes. that. Did you catch the little shot that Tendi, when she's talking with Rutherford about how he can't sleep, and she's like, oh, are you dreaming about Kirk and Spock having cinematic chemistry? Yeah, a timeline where Kirk <laughs> and Spock have cinematic chemistry. What does that even mean? I don't know. Oh, first of all, there are nightmares still. So having cinematic chemistry must be bad. You know what? What is cinematic chemistry, right? <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, this know. is a dunk on the Kelvin timeline. And I'm like, you know what, though? <laughs> Kirk and Spock had good interactions in the Kelvin movies, but yeah. they weren't the same as Spock and Kirk in the main timeline. And I think one Not of the problems all. is the writing didn't play to how their interactions showed on screen. Because they're always written as friends, right? But, like, they weren't really friends. They were more, like, colleagues. But, like, colleagues who respect each other, right? Colleagues with benefits. You know what? (laughs) I imagine there is a uh, swath of the fan base that would love to see that slash fic. Um, (laughs) I'm sure it exists. I wouldn't know. You know what? I imagine there is a larger swath of the fan base that would love to be colleagues with benefits with Zachary Quinno and Chris Pine. But oh, uh, big time. moving on. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Yes. I love the scene where Tendi, uh, where she's just uh, describing the, um, she, they've got the pod plant from Omicron City 3. That's the, uh, the original series episode, This Side of Paradise. They're just, just like in a jar. Yeah. Just, just. Just there. I'm going to assume that's like not glass and it's like transparent <laughs> aluminum. You know, something. It's like it's not going to like spill <laughs> over when the, you know, inertial dampeners fail. And I hope not because, yeah. uh, you know, in that episode, the, as I recall, the spores like spread through the ventilation system on the Enterprise. So yeah. that'd be a bad time if that got out. I hope they, I hope that, I hope it's maybe it's being collected in the anomaly collection day and it needs to get taken off the ship because they should not, it just seems unsafe. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Yeah. Question is, why does she have it, and where did she get it? I don't know. It's not explained. They're just like, hey, look, I have this mind-controlling plant. You know, Would you like to take a look? And it's completely irrelevant. Like, it doesn't need to be there at all. I just feel like a lot of the callbacks are there as, like, background filler stuff. But, like, this thing is just, yeah. why is it even there? It, just, uh... <laughs> it gets dialogue, you know? It's not, it doesn't just show up. It's tending to, like, talks about it. Yeah. And, like, there's no reason to. It's just, <laughs> ugh. Not, not great callback material there yeah 
But yeah, that does take place in the repair bay, and we need to talk about the Sequoia shuttle. Oh my god! Background details. Am I stuck? Are you stuck on this like I am? I don't know. What are you stuck on about it? Okay, so given, like, we learn all about Rutherford's background, which we're going to get more into, right? Right. Which, Mm -hmm. albeit, he doesn't have the memories of, but he clearly has the same passions and same drives. Yeah. Given his background, given his engineering skill, given, you know, that, like, his, even, even, like, he loves the Delta Flyer, you know, how amazing it is. Why is the Sequoia always in a state of disrepair, right? (laughs) Why does it never get better, you know? It's got to be like low priority, like a low priority fix or something. I figure it's like a hobby thing, right? But you okay, think maybe. you'd be making progress on it. It looks like they have made progress. That's the thing. Like this shuttle is in better condition now than it's been in previous episodes where it's shown up. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back and check, but I question that. I feel like it does. Yeah, I think it looks like it's like it's in better shape. It's like the the big pieces. I think before, like the the engines have been like stacked up against the wall. Yeah, and, like that. and they got like heavily damaged in the series finale. It still doesn't have the engines though. There's no, or not engines, the nacelles. There's no nacelles. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So many. I, I feel like it's it's definitely getting repaired. I like that background detail of that. It was pretty neat. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk. We we learn a lot more about Rutherford and his uh, alter ego, uh, Red Rutherford. I, I, well, first of all, let's talk about what we learned about Rutherford's background first. We do learn, and this may relate to the Rutherford conspiracy mystery that we're going to talk more about later, but he does get transferred onto the Cerritos from Douglas Station, which actually is shown yeah, in the well, series in Moist Multiple Vessel. times. We've been there several yeah. times. Um, right. That's where they hauled the Cerritos to after it was damaged by the Packleds. They mentioned, right. yeah, the Moist Vessel was going there. I, there's mm-hmm. one other episode where they mentioned going there too, but here's my thing: they've been there multiple times. Rutherford served there. He's never mentioned it. Never yeah, once apparently. mentioned it. Never. And <laughs> I've known people like this, and I hate them with a passion. <laughs> you want them to talk about their past more? Is that is that the deal? Well, I mean, as it's relevant to the present, you know, it's yeah. one thing to not be like, oh, I don't put myself out there, but it's a whole other thing to be like. I have pertinent information about this thing we're interacting with, and I'm just going to keep it to myself. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll learn that that's more relevant later, that Douglas Station is going to make a reappearance, maybe. It probably will. But the star date that the that the computer gives for when he transferred is before the start of the, of the show. I did a little sleuthing on Memory Alpha, and that star date is earlier than what's on the show. So. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be obvious I don't know. if he had transferred to the Cerritos like, mid-series. Like, I think we would have noticed yeah. that. Like, there would have been episodes yeah. without Rutherford and then episodes with Rutherford, <laughs> you know? Yeah, nope, he's in every one, I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure... It's only sure. ten episodes a season. He needs to be in every one. I'm pretty sure he was there in the pilot. <laughs> Just saying, I mean, it could be relevant to the conspiracy what's-its that are going to be we're going to be talking about a bit later. I, I doubt it. <laughs> Let's talk more about Punkford. You mean you're taking um, issue Rude with that. Rutherford? Right. <laughs> is that what you're calling him? That's what that everybody should be calling it, man. It's like these uh, uncultured slobs on the internet got no sense of alliteration here. I think Rutherford is already too too long, so you just got to put Rutherford. Toe. It's sticking. Get on board, buddy. <laughs> we'll see. We're gonna sell we'll t-shirts. Yeah. Rude Rutherford with the uh, the red eye. I love that they talk about an anaphasic alien taking over his body, and I hope you know not me. The only anaphasic God damn it, McMahon! We don't talk about Sub Rosa. The first rule of Star Trek <laughs> is you don't talk about Sub Rosa. 
The second rule of Star Trek <laughs> is you don't talk about Sub Rosa. Oh. The best part is they say that multiple times just to hit you over the head yeah. with uh, the fact that they want to talk about Sub Rosa. Yeah, no. At least there's no sexy candles in this episode. Oh so my god. That's... That, oh, this episode is so weird, <laughs> man. Do, do, you think, do you think, like, Gates McFadden read the script and it was all like, if I don't do this, do I keep my job? Maybe she was really into it. Oh, I, I wonder if she has a credit on there. I don't know. God. I'm not to do some That's going to be embarrassing if I'm just calling Gates McFadden out about her. That was like, <laughs> is it McFadden? McFadden? I don't know. I'm too drunk. I think it's um, McFadden. <laughs> We're drinking old fashions. It could be either one. It's, it's going to be really embarrassing if it turns out that that was like her pet project and I'm just trashing all over it. Now we have to look it up. We're going to do it right I, here. I don't think air. we have to look it up. I think uh, we can save my shame for, you know, off the air. Thank you. I think you can shame Jonathan Frakes. He directed it. So well, I mean, you can only you can do get. so much with a bad script. That's so who wrote the script? Enough. And if you say Jonathan Frakes, I'm just walking off. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> nope. Brandon Braga wrote it. And story by Jerry Taylor. Can and I comment on Gianna something about Gama. Brandon Braga real quick? And I know we're supposed to be focusing on... Focusing, focusing, focusing on Lower Dorks. Focusing on, on Lower Dorks. Anyways, we're supposed to be focusing on Lower Decks. Brandon Braga is like the yes. most... like all over the place person in Star Trek history. Like, you'll read about, like, some mm. really cool concept in, like, Star Trek. But right. then he does stuff like friggin' Sub Rosa. <laughs> I bet Threshold was his idea, too. That seems like something up his alley. You know, he's just, he was all over the place. But you gotta pump out 24 episodes a season or whatever. You gotta have some ups and downs. I'm gonna just, assume just, it's drugs, right? All the good episodes, he's on uppers. <laughs> All the hey, no, it's probably reversed. Good episodes, he's on downers. Bad episodes, he's on uppers. No, no, guys, guys, you don't get it. I don't get it. You don't get it. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Lizards. We turn them into lizards. Yes. And everybody in the writing room is all like, "If we say that's a bad idea, do we get to keep our jobs?" Anyways, let's move on from my rant. Let's go back to Lord 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 X. Uh, let's talk more about Punkford, or uh, Rude Rutherford, as uh, you like to say with too many words. Rude Rutherford! <laughs> I like how he comments about the engineering in the little pod between the nacelles and says that's stupid. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It could be a it, little bit stupid. It is stupid! <laughs> you, you, we're, we're on board here, Rude Rutherford. <laughs> that was pretty good. I think my favorite scene in the whole show was uh, when fake Rutherford, or Rude Rutherford, is like imitating the speaking style of Rude oh, Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> And Rue Rutherford's like, I don't talk like that. <laughs> it's like... She totally it's does. Right. She, he's right. He doesn't talk like that, but... She still falls for it. Which, you know what? Do you want to segue here real quick into my biggest thing from this episode? My big takeaway? Yeah, let's do it. My big what the yeah. fuck moment? Uh, sure. So we learn about Rutherford's past as Rude Rutherford, right? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Clearly, Rude Rutherford didn't say okie dokie. But... That's true. Cerritos Rutherford does. I had yes. always assumed Okie Dokie was something that was like, you know, it's a colloquialism, right? It's something from his past. We're going to someday see sure. where he's from and they're going to say Okie Dokie. But Rude <laughs> Rutherford would never say Okie nope. Dokie. Where the hell did Rutherford pick up Okie Dokie? It's clearly something <laughs> post accident. Yeah. It's in the implant. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the code word that uh, Section Thirty One put into his helmet. Are we team. sure it's Section Thirty One that did it? I think you're jumping to conclusions no. there, buddy. Yeah, that a little jump to conclusions there. Whoever did it, whoever did whoever it. did it. Yes, I will say one thing though that I do like about Rude Rutherford mm-hmm. kicking open Jeffrey's tubes. 
Why would you make a, a door? <laughs> like, especially if it's like a like a ceiling door that's like right. can like environmentally seal pressure seal. Why would you be able yeah. to kick that open? That just seems like know. bad design. <laughs> Although I guess if like you were like going through the Jeffries tubes and you had like a bunch of stuff in your hand and you were crawling, they wouldn't want to have to make you like stop and like press a bunch of buttons. So maybe if you just like knock on it, it'll open for you if there's no mitigating circumstances. Mm. The only thing I can think of is it's supposed to be it's supposed to open on approach on proximity, but it's a little uh, it's a little stuck. You just got to give it a little percussive yeah. therapy. Yeah, I can see that. Not gonna yeah. do it. Also, uh, Rude Rutherford is also really into the Kirk karate chops. Poor Lundy. I mean, all, he's just he's just doing his job in the transport room, and then he just gets karate chopped and knocked out in one hit somehow. Yeah, and I just love that they use Lundy for this scene. They just bring back the background <laughs> characters. I love it. It is really great. But then we get even more details on Rude Rutherford in the like mental space segment later on. I'm really hung up on the outfit that Red Rutherford is wearing here. You and me and both. Maybe you can help me out. I know I've seen yeah. this before, but I like I know. I it was exists, like right? searching through like <laughs> every Star Trek website I could find. I'm on Google Image Search. <laughs> I'm looking through the jacket. every set of Star Trek civilian clothing. And watch, it's gonna yeah. turn out it's from like some completely other series that like yeah. it's from Space Racers in nineteen sixty one. Very it was likely. a two episode series that was cancelled after the first. <laughs> and Mike McMahon is like that one. That one. But at least under the jacket you can see he's wearing like the TNG era cadet uniform with like the, the cargo pants pockets on them, just like in the in that TNG episode where they show up. Did but they the have jacket, cargo like pants I know that exists. Or did they have cargo pockets? Yeah, oh yeah. I think oh, I would yeah, remember this. I feel like I would have go noticed look it this. Up. Yeah, go look up uh, first duty uniform, oh, cadet uniforms. And you're gonna make me you can see your time. very own cargo pockets. Oh my god, you're right. And they're like huge cargo pockets. Like yes. not like normal yes. sized cargo pockets. No. It's like, what is this? This is in the 80s. I bet you a freaking cadet crusher has like a Game Boy in there or something. Jesus. Oh, maybe it's the cadet uniforms from DS9. Yes, it is for DS9. I was uh, in error, but if you look at the uh, uniforms from that Red Squad episode of DS9, it's it's pulled straight out of that episode. So indeed, uh, yeah, the the tops are wrong for the first duty. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, the jacket is bothering me. I know it's from something. Yeah. I've been. It's been bothering me all day ever since I watched this episode. Please, dear God, if somebody on the internet knows, please tweet us so we can. My, my madness can be put to rest at Laura Dorks on Twitter. So I will say this. Whatever Rutherford was up to, he really seemed to be like a willing participant. In his implant, you mean? No, in the whole botched whatever they were working on program. Oh, yes. Because yeah. like, he really seems to hate Starfleet and go into Starfleet Academy, right? So something yes. tells me that Starfleet Academy, going with your Section 31 theory, they're like, this guy's got a bent against authority and just wants to play with gadgets. He's our guy to build our next doomsday <laughs> weapon. It does seem like the right MO, the Section 31 MO. I think it's going it to turn out that. that Rutherford designed the Vitruvian bomb. Ooh, perhaps. No, not at all. That's a dumb it idea. It does explode. No, I mean, I, it's completely completely reasonable, you know. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Let's talk about the name of a Red Rutherford ship, the Sampaguita. Um, yes. I did a little Googling. That is, of course, a flower, and it is the national flower of the Philippines, in yeah. case you didn't know. Well, 
And this ship is actually the mysterious ship that we spotted in the uh, Season 3 trailer. Yeah, I love the design of this. You know, we had mentioned talking about how weird of a design it is, and it has, like, all these weird elements. And the fact that it is made, you know, just like a kit bash that somebody did in the garage, totally holds up (laughs) how it looks. It looks that way. So, great design work, guys. Yeah. Why does it have nacelles, though? I mean, I know the Delta Flyer has nacelles, so it can go to warp, but... Does the racing well, yeah. ship really need? You got to get out to Romulan space somehow. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you got to get. You got to cruise out you know, there. And I bet you it's cockpit. like it's like a biathlon where there's like segments of the race that are all about like oh. maneuverability, where you're moving at impulse, and then there's like warp racing. So like you have to build mm. this balanced design. Interesting. We're thinking. Can you imagine having to be much. really maneuverable at warp. We're, we're thinking way Not too much all. about we're, this. We're watching this. Show, you know, though, I, I will say there's, this: there's no. You mentioned being really maneuverable at warp, and that is one of the things I love yeah. about the show, or the series as a whole. Star Trek can never decide how warp works. One of my favorite quotes <laughs> from Star Trek Voyager is, "What is it? Warp flight, no left or right. Like when you're flying at warp, you can't turn." But, like, they do that shit all the time in the series. All the time. Where it's all like, Absolutely. I just feel like friggin' Guy in Galaxy, Cla- Galaxy <laughs> Quest. Did you guys watch the show? It was really good. Uh, I love how they sneak in the, the Delta Flyer, by the way, going back to that for a second. We were wondering how it got snuck in there in the trailer, and now we know. It's because Rutherford just, he just really wanted to fly one, man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. And I love that they show the two different design methodologies, like Voyager has, or Voyager... <laughs> Rutherford has like plans and he's like going methodically adding component by component and then yeah. Rude Rutherford is just like slapping things on and arc welding and like <laughs> just doing it all off the seat of his pants <laughs> I like how both characters can just summon things into existence but no they show like the constructing the ship montage because I don't know they probably just really, both really wanted to build their own I feel ships. that's very believable that that is what they would do in that situation <laughs> Yeah, that was great. I also love that the race is won by the power of friendship. Yeah, very cliched, yet very enjoyable. You can tell it's uh, how Rutherford perceives all of his friends, because even Mariner says okie-dokie. Oh my god, I loved it when she said that. (laughs) And I'm like dying. I now want to go back to the entire series and see if she ever said that. I don't think (laughs) so. I feel like not. But I just love that she says okie-dokie, right? (laughs) Really good. Uh, I like how uh, in, when he's, uh, you know, like, look at my friends in the Delta Flyer. And Tendi's like, you know, oh, I've got sensors. And Mariner's like, I got, you know, engines. And, and Boimler's like, let's do this. And I'm like, what's Boimler's job? He's just sitting there not doing anything. You know what the worst part he's is? He's just there to just say yes. Yeah. The worst part <laughs> is that probably means that that's how Rutherford views Boimler. He's just like a <laughs> yeah. cheerleader who hangs out and doesn't contribute much. Uh, oh. he, he's commanding. That is so sad. He's like, that's what command officers do. They sit back and they sit in their lawn chair and they just tell you, you know, what to do. Maybe that's, cheer. maybe that's it. Maybe uh, Rutherford views Boimler as a leader and maybe that's, that's what uh, leaders do. Yeah, maybe uh, Rutherford's yeah. going to be Boimler's... Uh, Guy in the corner, cheering him on. 
Yeah. Well, before we get to the Rutherford mystery, though, did you notice the in the medical bay when uh, Rutherford's like coming out and he's got like the the thinking cap on and it's got all the flashing lights on it? Is that supposed to be a reference to like Data with his hair off, where you can see like all the flashing lights on his head? You know, no. This is a pretty common skull cap trope you see in like sci-fi where they're like studying people's flashing lights. I am betting gotcha. we've seen this in Star Trek somewhere. I just didn't mm. think enough about it to actually look it up. Yeah, that would be my job usually, and I I couldn't put my finger on it. So, yeah. oh well, somebody knows, let us know. Yeah, but that scene where he wakes up is very well done. Oh yeah, this more ammo in the Tenderford scene because uh, both um, no, Shaxx and uh, Taana hug, and then t- Tendi well, and they don't hug. hug. I think How Shaxx, dare you? Shax just puts his his hand on his hand on Taana's yeah, shoulder. That's true. Uh, but you know, what? I like it because they're like <laughs> looking at their uh, their you know adopted. Uh, that's right lower deckers and mm-hmm. seeing them bond and they're happy about it yeah but that it's means a cute scene I but that it. means that if they get together it's it's basically incest and well i know there's oh, probably a whole corner of the internet that would love that <laughs> oh, not so much a fan over here probably not oh dear god i have to have some old-fashioned you know that. we skipped all over the death of uh rude rutherford man Yes, it was surprisingly tragic, to be honest. You know, though, I do want to point out that <laughs> when Rutherford proposes that they just, like, remerge their consciousnesses. consciousnesses yeah, he's like, nah, man. He's like, nah, man, I don't want to be Tuvix. Who would, to Even be both Rutherfords know Tuvix is a terrible a episode. Idea. I like Rutherford just gives up on it. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we shouldn't remerge. <laughs> I don't think he ever I think wanted just... to again. If <laughs> Rutherford had been like, oh, that's a good idea, I think Rutherford would be like, no, nah, you're right, that's dumb, and he outs, you know? I know, but usually, I mean, in any other episode of Star Trek, they would weave that in, right? Like, oh, my memories would be part of you or whatever, even though it's never brought up ever again. But here they're very careful to be like, nah, man, I'm good. Yep. You're good. Goodbye. And then, of course, the big Rutherford reveal happens. Yes, and this leads into the mystery and conspiracy discussion. <laughs> uh, by the way, the the uh, Wrath of Khan reference with the "Remember," I thought was pretty, pretty, pretty classic. What do you think is going on here? That we all we get is a a line where it's, uh, the mysterious Starfleet officer says this is going to set us back a few years, and the fact that the implant was not a, an elective surgery. So, what do you think is going on here? So, I think that you know whoever was running that shady program was. Well, or at least some high-ranking officer in it decided right. to engage in a little, you know, cover-up. And so he's like, yeah, we're going to just erase his memory. Proving that he's not completely sociopathic, but still of <laughs> questionable moral character. <laughs> also, Rude Rutherford was kind of a dick. Yes, so not not absolutely. a big loss, I don't think. No. So who all. are your thoughts on who the Admiral, or not the Admiral, the... Uh, lieutenant commander is yeah i mean well first of all let's talk a little bit about what we can see the person is wearing a next gen era uniform and the rank as you said is pretty probably lieutenant commander although to be fair mcmahon likes to f with us and be like lol street corn so i feel like any of these details could be changed it could be man or woman it sounds like a male to me but hard to say yes i feel like they've got to come back to it being someone that we've met before but yeah, you know, Again, and, and, and so here was my supposition. I do want to point out, though, that I we mentioned this before, but the guys who are putting the implant in, they're the same surgical crews that we saw previously in uh, TNG with the full red jumpsuits. Yes. But anyways, mm-hmm. 
My original supposition was that this was going to turn out to be uh, Admiral Freeman. Oh. But he's an admiral at the time of Lower Decks. Right. And only a lieutenant commander when Rutherford went through his surgery, which we're given to so believe is ago, fairly recent. Yeah, that's right. I think, doesn't Mariner say in the pilot episode that Rutherford's only been a cyborg for, like, a short period of time? Yeah, but I think that's going to wind up getting thrown out, because, like, she says oh, it's, like, so? two weeks. Okay. But there's right. no way Rutherford is a fresh, fresh-faced cadet. He was first year right. when the accident happened, right? Did they say... He's definitely at the Academy. I don't know if it says what year. But, they mention... I mean, yeah. Well, Rube Rutherford ago. that we saw previously throughout the entire episode mentions that he's a first-year cadet. So the okay. assumption is that the accident happened around the time his memories are sequestered for. Yeah, I don't Ra- know. It raises some questions. It, indeed it does. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing the uh, that mystery unfold, though. Because we got to make sure that... Uh, you know, I, I will say that, you know, having, like, completely changing the personality, even if we I do like the new Rutherford personality better, I mean, immoral as hell, right? You know, even if that guy was kind of... I love that the uh, sociopath version of the character, you're like, that's a guy I can really get behind. I like where this character's going. (laughs) Yeah, we need more of that a-hole, you know? But you know what? He's dead forever. Let's move on to the other plot in this episode, the recruitment booth plot. Oh, boy. This is not quite as epic, but still amazing. Um, So, you know, the planet that they go back to is Tolgana 4. So this is, if you recall, in the first season, the planet where Mariner and Boimler dropped off General Corrin, and they have all the different ethnic quarters. And and they continue that, like, multicultural thing at the job fair, where it's all like, you see all sorts of aliens. You see Andorians and Tedans. You see... uh, Whoever those dudes were from the Riza episode where Picard has his chest out the whole episode. Um, <laughs> yes, the Vorgons. Yes, the Vorgons. There's things I haven't seen. There's a weird salamander alien. There's got to be some new ones in there, too. Some original yeah. aliens. There's lure- Jeez, I could just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Like, let's actually... I'm going to go through and briefly mention people we do see. Because there is quite a list and is kind of a gold mine of references. So, first, obviously, the Starfleet booth. We got Mariner and Boima there. Um, I love the animated series cutout. Yeah, uh, once with again, the face cutout. Kirk and Spock are in the animated series animation <laughs> style. It it's looks great. like the background is from the episode Devil in the Dark. Ah, I like the ears. The really obvious ears are obviously added to the cutout. To so you're ob- you, you must be a Vulcan if you're uh, you know to get a picture taken or whatever. Yeah, but you know that's kind of it for their booth. It's just not that interesting. Yeah, the other thing at their booth that the Boimler uh, is struggling with is the Stargazer model. I love love that when Boimler slams the table, then the cells fall off. I know. Uh, So good. I love love the little inclusion of that. Uh, that, You're right, that's about it for the Starfleet booth. The Outpost Scientist booth, which they have the sign that says Outpost Outpost Science Science is real real science. science. Oh my god. I love how like insecure that slogan is. I know. <laughs> They're very anti-Starfleet because they say Starfleet is too militaristic. I like how they talk about the outfits. Like, look at my belt. Yeah. I'm like, that's not that cool. Yeah. I love the fact Come that on. they say, we get to wear whatever we want. And they're dressed exactly yeah. the same. And to me, that's like a great callback to TOS where like every outpost they went to, if it wasn't Starfleet uniforms, most of the people just wore unicolor jumpsuits. 
Yes, I, just, I always love that somebody thought that was going to be the style in the future. Everybody's gonna wear onesies. <laughs> That's the next gen uh, hypothesis of civilian clothing. Hey, you know what? Also dictated by budget. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, then, of course, we have the truthers. They're all about conspiracies. They want to know where Cisco's at, um, and they think that uh, you know the actual aliens from the TNG episode conspiracy that they reference. They have a little model of that. Is it a model, or is it like a dead roof. one? Right, that's what I'm. Wondering. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you think if they had a real one that they would be able to prove it wouldn't be a conspiracy anymore? Yeah. You have evidence. Well, I mean, you got to prove that these things are actually intelligent and were infiltrating Starfleet. I do love the fact yeah. though that when they mentioned that, Boiler's like, "That didn't happen." And Mariner's like, "No, I think it actually did." implying that it's like, it's like what it's like a known thing right like it's not classified or anything <laughs> right. so these truthers are just idiots who don't actually bother to read anything so good you know the best thing about the truthers is how they think the bugs get into your system oh my god straight up the bug the butt bugs i love when ransom comes in later to get ahead of ourselves here but they're like i think he has a butt bug yeah <laughs> that was oh, That's god great. amazing anyway next we have the collector's guild oh boy yeah we haven't seen anyone from the collector's guild since that lower decks episode Keishana's eyes open yep. uh, where they secure the derelict ship but of course we have the direct references to the um that next gen episode the most toys um i had to look these up the kivas fajo alien that race is called the Zabalians. Yeah. And then the gold gold ribbon alien doesn't have a name, but yeah. the parlor toff from that episode. Yep. So I love the stuff on their their uh oh, yeah. their booth. Uh they got Cotiscot oh, yeah. from Voyager. Like yes, why is that collect- collectible? Isn't that just a game? <laughs> like I mean Maybe it was the one they had on Voyager. Did, did they like in Voyager was that like some Delta Quadrant game? Did they say that? I don't remember that. I think it was just a normal game people play. I'd be like showing up, somebody be like, I think so. check out my sweet collection of things. Wait, is that a yard dart <laughs> set? Oh, yes, the very rare yard darts. Nah, man, they made like millions of those in the 80s. Yard darts, it's basically the same thing. You know, super dangerous. They have a tablet full. Uh, they've got the tablet of the Paw Race. Which oh, I didn't notice that. In DS9, it had literal Paw Race in it. <laughs> Like, you think somebody, like, from Bajor or Starfleet Intelligence would be like, yeah, you guys can't have that. It's filled with literal demons. Maybe they've already excised the uh, the pot wraith. Who knows? The only other two things that really stood out to me were Khan's necklace. Oh, I didn't see that Which I think we've seen previously in the Collector's ship in the previous episode. Oh. So I'm thinking just, like, a whole they bunch of people it. have made replicas. And they're all just cheap knockoffs. And then the it. one that's not really noticeable because it's always obscured is Spock's sweet uh-huh. space helmet. Yes, I love that. I saw this face helmet. That was great. Ah. I noticed a couple other things too. They've got some data shampoos from uh, the Duplass oh, episode. Oh, did they? I did not see those. Yeah. yeah, it's a quick, quick look. And also the Stone of Gaul, which is that crazy artifact from the Next Gen episode Gambit. Okay. Cause, that they find all the pieces for. Yeah, I was trying to remember where I had seen that thing before, but couldn't place it. Yeah, so a lot of good, a lot of goodies in the uh, collector's guild table. Yep, but I mean that—that's what they do. They just throw a bunch of Easter eggs and references, and you know what? Yes, it gets a little old. Come on, guys! Yes. Like, we're not here. We don't like that for in the show. Humorous Star no. Trek callbacks and well-written characters, nope. and not at all. Wait, no, that is why we're here. Keep at it. <laughs> Let's move on to the independent archaeologist guilds booth. Uh, we've got the archaeologist that keeps giving Mariner a hard time, Petra Aberdeen. And the only thing I can place in that booth is the statue behind uh, Petra's seat, 
That is one of the statues from the uh, original series episode for The World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. So that's, that's pops out there. Yeah, and I think like probably the rest of her stuff is a reference to, but I just don't recognize it and I didn't have the time. It's tough. We're lazy here on this show. Before we move on, there's one more thing about Petra's booth, the, the, the archaeologist's Ooh. booth that I really got to bring up. Yes. Petra is eating noodles. I don't know if you noticed this. She's got a big old bowl mm. of noodles. Delicious. She's eating them with a spork. Jesus, woman! Are sporks still a thing in the future? I guess so. I, I would think they would go out of style. I mean, like, <laughs> but no, but regardless, who eats noodles with a spork? That is like the I least feel like it's just a bad time. efficient way to eat noodles. What yeah. is going on here? <laughs> I don't know. That should have been just a huge red flag. I just, I don't know yeah. how anybody didn't see that and be like, yeah, I'm going to walk away from this booth. She gets a lot of attention at her booth, too, even though her uh, entire MO is just to steal from the museum. Yes, indeed. Anyway, um, let's talk about the the untitled, the unnamed uh, game booth uh, that uh, Boimler harasses. We only see it when Boimler is off his rocker. Um, that is run by the Wadi. The Wadi, yeah, who uh, yeah. Boimler references move along later. Home. Move along home. There's a lot of fun stuff in that booth, too. They have a set of Valiths and Binuchs out there. Um, they got some 3D chess. They got... A, some kind of like Ferengi ear prosthetic like of the caliber that you would find at an amusement park. Yeah, I was wondering what is the deal it. with that? <laughs> Seems a little like racist or something. I don't know. I, I have a hard time with that one. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it looks like yeah. they're not, you know, trapping people in games, so that's all good. That's true. Yeah, stop trapping people in games! What were the artifacts they had in front of them? Were any of them that weird yes. game trapping Yes, the Katarian game. Yeah. Yes, from TNG's The Game. So they are obviously trapping people in games still. I'm surprised they still sell those things. I would think they would be illegal. <laughs> this isn't a Federation world, right? So people oh, can yeah, get as right. addicted as they want to their mobile gaming. Could be. Yeah. So there's two more booths. So in the scene with the Wadi proprietors of their gaming booth, behind mm-hmm. them there's another booth. that it's, The proprietor is apparently a giant axolotl, which is like a, you know, the salamander thing with like the the fin ears right i swear to god i've seen this before again but can't place it to save my life do you remember at all you gotta help me out here buddy no Uh, i'm i'm drawing a blank man i know it's from somewhere but here's what he appears to be selling a stack of papers not written on just a stack of papers and they're not even like well stacked they're all like mismatched all like out of like sync it's, it's weird like i don't know what's going on there i feel like someone knows what's the deal i hope they tell me because i'm just lost and then of course there's the booth that's I selling meats it's just it's got meats hanging oh. on it i don't know why yeah we do see several characters eating some kind of rodent speared creature small creature yes. so on a spear i assume it's from that booth rodent on a stick i don't know though they were selling like big like Flintstones style meat where it's just like a big bone with a bunch of meat stuck on it I don't know what's going right. on there I don't know I mean so they had one character come to the Starfleet booth and he's eating one of these like little meat popsicles and like only the head is missing from this creature yes. and it's like a bite mark there so I don't know I, I, I kind of don't want to think about it that's where I'm going yeah, with that you know, I guess. <laughs> is that it for booths then? I think okay. that's it for booths. I mean, there's other booths. Like, there's the weird purple one that, like, no explanation is given. Um, and you don't right. get a close enough look. I don't know. I know there's other booths. There's, like, booths that are just completely empty for some reason. 
Nothing really gets get featured people. or detailed enough to really comment on yeah. it. And now the internet's going to tell us, oh yes, there's this other booth in the background of this scene. <laughs> and it's a reference tell to us. TOS Episode 7. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Well, you know what? If that's the case, let us know. And uh, you too can tell us how we're wrong on the internet. Mm. 75% of what I do is be wrong on the internet. What's one more thing? Anyways. But anyway, other aliens walking around. Uh, you mentioned the Vorgons. Those were last seen in the TNG episode Captain's Holiday. So here's the thing about the Vorgons. They appear in that episode as like visitors from the future. Are these like present day Vorgons or are like future Vorgons visiting this job fair? Well, I mean, we got to assume that there's Vorgons around now. Like how far in the future were they that they came back from? Did they uh, say? It, it was a significant amount of time. But was it like, you know, millions of years for the Vorgons to uh, evolve on their planet? I don't know. I'm betting not. I don't think that much information is given. Yeah. Either way, I'm, I was a little suspicious. I was like, are these time-traveling Vorgons? But maybe not. But they don't do anything interesting, so meh. No, they just walk around. Yeah. Um, Antedians, as you mentioned, uh, the last time we've seen them is in Embarrassment of Duplers, where we're, <laughs> we're not people. <laughs> that was a great joke. <laughs> best joke of the series <laughs> still funny i don't know why i love it <laughs> it's good they're the gallardonians that uh, of course show up in the pilot episode yeah the uh, little, we've seen uh, join the federation pigs. yeah the, the pig people that have been you know showing up in various places then the galrakians the crystal people that we saw in the episode temporal edict oh i don't even remember seeing the galrakians oh yeah the, he uh, comes up to the booth and he's like you guys collect uh, some dilithium and Mariner tries to sell him on it, but gets sabotaged by the. Uh, oh my god, that joke makes interface. so much more sense now. Now you know because crystal Cause people. He's a crystal person. Whoa, 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 wait! You skipped over the best alien of all. Oh, do share the Andorian. Hello. <laughs> uh. That's true. There are Andorians and Vulcans, I believe, too. But... Yep, and there's the weird gray guy and. Yeah, there's some new aliens in there, too, that I, we don't have names for, so they are wandering Ooh, around. you know what else there is? Hmm. There's a Lurian. You never really get is a there? good shot of him, but he's, he's like... Oh, yes, he's chasing... He's the, the one that's Boimler being chased around, by right? Boimler, and I want to know, right. what did he say or do to make Boimler get so angry at him? Like, what was... <laughs> how is he... What did he say to question the doctor's agency, right? I don't know. <laughs> Clearly something. Yes. I think he was just talking to the conspiracy theorists. Yeah, it could be. He's hanging out with the, the, the conspiracy Boimler's theorists. trying so to set him straight. I think that covers the aliens. But anyway, the, all of the guys in the booths basically are are pooping on uh, Mariner and Boimler f- for Starfleet being terrible. And, you know, after weathering all of that, the thing that sets Boimler off is his jewelry getting stepped on. His jewelry, it's his rank pip. It's, it means something to him. Yes, and, and that is how Boimler cracks. <laughs> we've uh, we've seen Boimler get you know sad and upset, but never like completely apeshit. Like I love has, even in his like here. apeshit state is like all he does is like break things of little value and yell <laughs> yeah. at people. Yeah, like even he threw some stuff, but he didn't throw it at anyone. He just threw it threw no. it around. Yeah, he's just throwing it in people's general direction. I like how at one point you know um, Ransom shows up. And Boimler like pops into the frame, and how do they show Boimler getting upset? He breaks a pencil. That's I don't it. know why he you're obsessed with the pencil breaking. It's a funny gag. <laughs> it's but ridiculous. It's not that big of a deal. 
He's he doesn't even okay. So think about if you're holding a pencil and you want to break it, you got to hold it with like fully with both hands. But if you look at the shot, he's using like thumb and forefinger. I don't he's, like, know that what upset. kind of pencils you're using, but like I can break a pencil in one hand pretty easily. Oh, wow, pretty sure I could break because you have giant monster hands. My hands are perfectly normal sized. Thank you for a man <laughs> if you say of so. my stature, who's half gorilla. You're just a giant. That's uh, <laughs> that's where I'm going with that. Anyway, we also learn in during Boimler's tirade that he failed the Kobayashi Maru seventeen yeah, times. Yeah, seventeen times. But here's my question: How Can you do take you, it more than once? How do you? Yeah, I mean, Kirk did. Right. But how do you fail it seventeen times? Like, what qualifies as failing? It's a test you're supposed to fail, right? Right. So did he just keep yes. taking it over and over again, or was there like <laughs> I think so? He didn't learn his lesson, or. Like, was there a point that you think, like, after, like, 14 times where, like, one of his instructors is like, I don't think you're getting the lesson here. It's a no-win scenario. Yeah, maybe Boimler doesn't believe in the no-win scenario, just like I mean, uh, Kirk. he did defeat the Borg, so, you know, he's got that going for him. That's right. Maybe that's just how he, what he believes in. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, of course, due to all that, he uh, gets thrown in the brig. But, you know, Ransom's still a fan of him. I, I gotta say, Ransom, you know, he's following the letter of the law. You know, Boimler's causing a scene. He's got a yeah. Put, you you got to put him in the drunk the drunk tank basically. Well, it's the whole I agree with your sentiment but not your way of voicing it situation. Right. <laughs> and I like the exactly. fact that we're getting back to Ransom not being yes. uh assassinated or his character not being assassinated. That's right. This episode did Ransom good. Yeah. I am very pleased to yeah. see that. Backing up a little bit, the whole reason why Mariner of course is getting pushed around by people in the booths is they learn that she can't step out of the booth. And that is because Ransom has threatened her that, you know, if she steps out of the booth or fails to recruit people, that he's going to send her off to the favorite place in the galaxy, Starbase 80. (laughs) And surprisingly, before we get into Starbase 80, though, this is the one thing that he seems to say. And then Mariner just like is immediately like, oh, 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 okay. They got to bust that out more often. I love the fact that at the end, Boimler's all like, are you going to send me to Starbase 80? And he's like, no, that (laughs) place is horrible. So funny. Punishment. Sorry, so terrible. second time this has come up. Can't even follow yeah. through on it. Not at all. Rance, it's just a. Is it kind of an empty? Do you think it's an empty threat when it comes to Mariner and her underperforming? Nope. I think if she didn't shape up, he would ship her out. Hmm. Yeah, well, Ransom's doing the thing. What he's got to do to whip Mariner into shape? And it's working. It, maybe. I don't know. I have suspicions. maybe so far it's working. But anyway, the episode wraps with uh, Petra giving Mariner a call, showing off the Grand Negus staff that she swiped from the museum, just like Mariner calls her out on when they're actually at their booths. Uh, who do you think she's working for? Is she given the oh, she said uh, Negus staff it back, back to, to the Ferengi? They're going to pay a high uh, price. I mean, she for says it. someone's hired her. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's going back. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, what are the what's Tolgana Four's government doing with the uh, with the Negus staff? I mean who knows probably stole it acquired it bought it on the black market do we know it's the government maybe it was just some you know fly-by-night operation yeah it could be i guess we don't know if it's the government i think we'll never know i think this call that uh, petra gives mariner will set up the indiana jones-esque episode that we saw teased in the season three trailer that's a good call i felt like it was kind of setting up that mariner doesn't belong in starfleet Mm, think that might go that route yeah I think that's what's going to be the end is Boimler's going to promote 
and Mariner's gonna, you know, quit to pursue other interests. Possibly as a uh, archaeologist, maybe a uh, a Vash style archaeologist traveling the galaxy with you. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how True Blue Starfleet she ends up turning out to be. I don't think she's gonna turn out to be True Blue Starfleet. I think that's just how she was raised. Well, anything else you want to call out about the episode before we give our final thoughts? Uh, you know what, man? Like, this is, I think, the first episode where I'm not like, oh, yeah, and uh, what about this? What about that? What about the other thing? Uh, I think right. we covered pretty much everything I want to talk to. Okay. Talk about everything I want to talk about, yeah. not talk to. Um, <laughs> you want to talk to this episode a little bit? I, I want to talk to myself, actually. No no offense, dude. You're not you got a great that conversationalist. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, you know what? There's one more thing we need to mention. What did Boimler tell the Ferengi to do? They bleeped out the whole explanation, and yes. I'm dying to know. I don't know. I, I tried doing a little lip reading as much as you can do in an animated show, and it did not pan out. You can't so. lip read an animated show. I have show. no idea. No, not at all. I tried my best, but it doesn't work. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to leave that for people to guess. Yeah. So what are your final thoughts? How how good was this episode? Um, I would rank it a apple out of <laughs> cashmere, maybe. One apple out of three oranges. Apple okay. out of cashmere, I maybe. I think that's, that's okay. going to be my rating. Do you want to expand, expand upon that at all? No, you know, I was thinking it might actually be like maybe two oranges out of cashmere, but, mm. you know, I just, I don't think it really kicks itself <laughs> over into the two orange mark. I can understand. Yeah, you know, it's 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 probably going to turn out to be one of the better episodes of the season, I think. I did really enjoy it, but yeah, I think I'm sticking with the one apple out of cashmere. That's good. Actually, did you realize that this episode was written by Mike McMahon? Well, I did when I you that told that me. That might have something to do with it, being one of, one of the stronger episodes this season. I have to agree with you there. We learned a lot about Rutherford, and just because he is my boy, I, I'm going to have to give this one, you know, strong marks. Yes. It's definitely one of the stronger ones of the season. Yeah, you know, but I mean, this whole season has been strong. You always kind of worry as a series goes along. Oh, yeah. Especially, you know, there's always that risk of, like, comedies especially start to take themselves too seriously. Um, and oh, start yeah. to get way too arc-driven. And I think they're still maintaining a pretty good uh, balance. It's weird, you know, when you see people talk about this show on, you know, social media or whatever, a lot of people take things very seriously, especially relationships between characters or a lot of people want to see uh Talin come back that are very serious about that i do hope we get a wage douche follow-up at some point oh yeah i would love them course. all to show i think there out. will be one yes yeah. there's definitely going to be one but i mean you can't have the whole show just being like hey remember this one joke we did once like we're going to keep bringing it back yeah you know, you gotta gotta keep it fresh gotta keep yeah, it good keep doing new things it's it's star trek to boldly right. go not boldly totally do the agree. thing over and over again, despite what TNG <laughs> season one wanted us to believe. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I guess I could have gone the Enterprise route, but you know what? That's just a low hanging uh, fruit. Too easy. Too easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my drink is running on empty. How about you? Yeah, well, you know, I think this this whole thing is getting a little uh, old. Eh? 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 Yeah. Mm, so yeah. you know what? We're going to do this all again next week. Only next time we'll be talking about episode six of season three. Bet you didn't see that coming. So till then, oh boy. catch us on Twitter at Lower Dorks or head on down to the job fair. Or don't. It's, it's kind of lame. And honestly, there's some weird, short, hairy dude down there just going <laughs> ape on everything. Breaking pencils left and right. <laughs>